0: Are you not entertained? In the past two years, the media and entertainment industry has skyrocketed. Content is being consumed and created at a record pace. Some thought that we wouldn't have fresh and new and exciting content to watch, but guess what? Video sharing apps went from zero to billions of views during the pandemic. Find out how AWS has helped entertainment companies like Netflix get creative during the pandemic with over 600 digital effects that need to be edited remotely. Or how F1 racing is leading the pack not only on the track with media and entertainment, but with user data and machine learning. What about broadcasting media and entertainment artists like K-pop and how fans want it broadcasted or translated in their own native language? Joining me today, head of business development for media and entertainment in the APAC region for AWS, Sweeta Jane. Now, you know the drill. Before I bring Sweda onto the show, don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, and notification because is gonna be sharing some insights on how AWS is reducing the glass-to-glass latency. Please join me in welcoming Swita, to the show. Swita, thank you so much for joining me.
1: I'm very well, John. Thanks for having me on your show. And I have to say, I've watched a few of your episodes and I love the energy and the passion that you bring. So really looking forward to talking to you today.
0: Thank you so much. I think my passion comes from my guest. My guests have inspiring stories to tell, and I just like bringing it out and sharing it with everybody. So when I click that record button, based off our conversation, my energy level goes up. <laughs> nice. So I hope to
1: match that.
0: <laughs> oh, don't worry. You know what? A uh, little bit of sidebar. I had a recording yesterday, and a buddy of mine said, you know what? After we we're done with the call, somebody said, how come you don't have the same energy level as John? You know, it's hard to match my energy level sometimes. And I apologize, (laughs) but I just can't change it. Sure. So, Shreida, a little bit of backstory on yourself and how you come to media and entertainment and specifically this role as head of business development.
1: Yeah, sure. Happy to share that. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's been now 23 years in the industry and it just feels like yesterday and at the same time feels like a zillion years because the industry has changed so much. So I started my career uh, as a software developer in one of the leading media entertainment companies in India. And uh, there's been you know, no looking back since then. Uh, I built teams, I worked across broadcast and digital and uh, went on to set up a new business uh, in the digital space for my company and that's how I became a customer of AWS. Uh, and January, 2018, I started with AWS as the India Business Development Lead for Media Vertical. And then about a year into the role, I thought, okay, it's going well, why not uh, look at a wider region and, you know, do increase the impact and, you know, increase my blast radius, so to speak. So yeah, I moved to Singapore in 2019 and uh, started in this role. And it's been so amazing uh, getting to work with such a diverse set of customers and our fantastic teams in um, countries across Asia-Pacific. It's been amazing.
0: 23 years? Wow. I've got a lot of questions to ask you and pick your brain. I'm going to have to do some on offside because... 23 years and I am just getting into and I say what I do is like media and entertainment because podcasting con, uh, content creating is media and entertainment but you have got a lot of knowledge and you know what let's talk about media and entertainment and specifically the role of head of business development around ME. What is that and you know really what do you do what are some of your goals
1: yeah happy to share that uh, so first of all I want to point out that media entertainment is a strategic industry vertical for us at AWS and a big area of focus. And, you know, we've been investing um, specifically, I would say over the last five years or so, we've been investing heavily to build our portfolio of media services and AWS solutions, developing our partner ecosystem. And of course, there's so much that we can learn from our customers, you know, the media organizations in this region. So I want to, uh, you know, call out uh, specifically the direct-to-consumer segment, you know, where we are seeing so much more uh, consumption and, therefore, focus from our customers. I, and if you think about it, the consumers really expect to access their content anywhere, anytime, you know, on the device of their choice. Right, And in fact, mobile phone is the primary device for content consumption. And therefore, all our customers, they are focusing on direct-to-consumer in a big way and have already either an OTT platform already in the market or are in the process of building it. And uh, my job as the business development lead is really to support all these initiatives across the region, working closely with our field teams. You know, how we can help them expand their global footprint, how we can help them really monetize uh, their content better, um, help them scale up. Like if you uh, talk about APAC specifically, we have customers like Disney Plus Hotstar that is managing scales of millions of uh, you know, concurrent users during the uh, cricket uh, matches. And then in here in Southeast Asia, we've got Astro Malaysia the leading uh, entertainment company of Southeast Asia. And they have been, you know, uh, innovating so much, launching new kind of experiences on set-top boxes, launching new OTT platforms, uh, which they did in fact, uh, last year, SUKA, uh, that is also built on AWS. There's Fox Sports in Australia that launched Kio Sports. There's Foxtel that launched Binge. I mean, so many uh, interesting, you know, customers and so much to learn from our customers and uh, really the ideas of focus for us has been of course driven by what our customers are focusing on right so direct to to consumer is one of them and there's also content production right and there's been uh, so much innovation in that space as the production studios and the uh, you know, i would say the rendering and the visual effects companies have been focusing on building platforms host, uh, based on cloud how they can enable access to the editing tools uh, you know for their editors and artists who may be working from anywhere in the world so so as we go uh, in this you know conversation happy to share with you some of the examples but uh, yeah these are uh, some of the things i would say just like to are three of the major focus areas for us in the region. And I'm totally loving it. I'm very passionate about uh, this industry. And uh, we have such a fantastic team you know, across the region that I, I simply love working in this area.
0: I can tell your passion and how you're coming out and all the information and how media has evolved. Speaking of how it's evolved, I'm gonna assume in the last two years, during this pandemic how has it really evolved because for me personally i bet you in the first six to like 12 months media went through the roof i mean the you know consuming of media entertainment the creation of media the creation of content has i'm if i said triple that's probably like on the lowest scale possible how has it evolved during this pandemic
1: yeah absolutely um uh- like you said, you know as people were spending more time indoors, the OTT platform saw such massive increase in the content consumption. right It really went through the roof and uh, Netflix is such a great uh, story there you know they even uh, talked about how they have been leveraging AWS auto scaling to meet that unprecedented demand globally. right And if you talk uh, about here in APAC you know, in India we have a customer Times group, they launched a video sharing app called MX Takatak in the middle of the pandemic, which went from zero to one billion daily video views within the first month of launch. So that's the uh, scale we are talking about. And if you look at uh, other areas, you know, beyond OTT, the work from home situation arising out of this uh, pandemic uh, really accelerated the transformation of content production and broadcast workflows, uh, you know, a lot of our customers, they had already uh, started that journey, but I think uh, the whole situation kind of pushed it forward by uh, many, many months, if not years, right? So uh, when the whole situation interrupted the film and television pro- production in back in 2020, we heard some predictions in the industry that, oh, we may find ourselves stuck at home with nothing new to watch, no fresh content is going to come in. But guess what? The studios, the entertainment uh, companies, you know, they, they made sure that that entertainment void never really happened because they got really creative and they turned to the cloud and they worked closely with us, um, so many of them. Um, uh, Let me pick the example once again of Netflix. You know, their very popular series, The Crown, um, their uh, new season was coming, which was season four, and uh, their teams were spread uh, across the globe. And uh, they had uh, a very tough task of finishing, I think, about 600 visual effects shots for that new season. So they were all working remotely and they leveraged the cloud infrastructure of AWS to put that all together and we saw how great uh, that new season was. In fact, we published a full case study with Netflix that how they're building this, they have already built, sorry, uh, the visual effects studio in the cloud to attract top talent You know, across artists, editors, top talent across the world who now have the ability to work from anywhere in the world and collaborate for projects and some doing some really advanced visual effects rendering so that's on the content production and uh, then on the broadcast side also we saw a lot of uh, traditional broadcasters looking to cloud for their play out and distribution workloads uh, so that their teams can operate from home and at the same time there were opportunities to be had right in the market because the content consumption was going up so much, so the ability to respond to those new opportunities in the market, uh, run some experiments, see if it works. If it doesn't work, just shut it down. So basically, that whole agility aspect of it, we saw in its true uh, color. You know, the the true value proposition of the cloud is really that the pay-as-you-go model, and then the ability to be experimenting at really low cost and uh, be agile so so in a way yes uh, the pandemic did have an impact uh, on you know the industry and some of these changes if i may just call it out some of these changes were forced you know for some of the companies especially the large enterprises but they've seen the benefits and we believe that this is a change that's going to stick So this is the new normal that they have adapted to.
0: I think the pandemic has brought upon an expedited change in using technology. Uh, The work from home aspect was highly against of older enterprise companies. But during the pandemic of allowing them to work from home, they realized that people are getting more done and you have that work-life harmony and you you were talking about broadcasting and i want to jump over to really live streaming platforms especially my favorite sports and you know there there's a huge task to ensure that hundreds of millions of their audience around the globe have seamlessly viewing experience and based on your experience of working closely with a company called Hotstar in India what are some of the ways aws supported them in their endeavors
1: oh yeah when it comes to cricket you can expect all sorts of world records to be broken and uh, you know the live streaming is of course uh, one of them and very very uh, critical areas for us to focus on because our customers uh, really see the value in you know uh, enhancing that experience for the viewers because the viewers are really flocking to these platforms and uh, to give you an example uh, some idea about the scale I want to share with you that Hotstar in fact broke its own record for live streaming uh, back in 2019 during the World Cup semi-final match when India was playing New Zealand and they had 25 million concurrent users for that match, right? So being able to scale um, and, and then be also able to keep an eye on the cost, you know, not just the quality of the streaming but also keeping an eye on the cost so there are multiple areas uh, where we are working very closely with Hotstar. And one of the areas is really how do we work together to minimize the glass to glass latency, right? So from the glass of the camera in the stadium to the glass of the mobile phone of the end user. So in back in 2019, uh, Hotstar team worked very closely with AWS Elemental teams to Move their video pipelines to the cloud using elemental media services, and they were able to cut down that latency by over 60%, right? Which is such a huge, um, I would say, um, you know, a very significant, you know, uh, significant for uh, the company as a business outcome, because you don't want viewers to be tweeting about a six. Uh, before, you know, you see it on Hotstar on your mobile phone. So so that is one area, you know, how do we optimize the video pipelines and reduce the latencies, increase the quality of the streaming. Another area, like I've mentioned, the kind of scale they're operating on, it's super critical to keep an eye on the cost. And that's where they are leveraging AWS spot instances to run some of their workloads, uh, like machine learning and data science workloads, and also some workloads which which they have developed to uh, generate that load to simulate live-like situations and you know high traffic patterns. So AWS uh, spot instances uh, is something which is very core to their uh, uh, the entire solution that they've built, and uh, it has helped them save anywhere between seventy to eighty percent on their overall cost uh, for compute requirements for
0: some of these workloads. Glass to glass latency. That's the first time I've heard that term, but I can visually see when you mentioned the glass of the camera to the glass of my phone, the latency for that. How many times have you gone on and you're watching a show, right? And you have tweets turned on and all of a sudden your phone lights up and you're like, Oh, okay. You look at it. And Darn, it had just ruined the ending or the outcome of the game, and you didn't even get there yet.
1: Exactly. Super critical. I mean, the fans are so demanding these days. And I think uh, they are really driving the narrative for the industry.
0: So staying on topic of sports just a little bit, you mentioned AIML and i want to talk about f1 because i know f1 plays a huge part in ai ml deep racer aws what about the use of a- ml and how has it enhanced the performance of players
1: yeah uh, happy to share that uh, john and uh, the formula 1 of course is one organization which is leading the pack right there you know uh, use of data machine learning to enhance the fan engagement And uh, one of the things that I want to uh, highlight is the fact that in Formula One races, uh, one critical aspect to remember is that the viewers get to see very small part of the actual racing track, um, you know, that's visible in uh, in a frame, and which is why data analytics and all those interesting graphics, they become super critical, you know, to get Uh, that experience of the edge of the seat experience for the fans, right? So that's Formula One, of course, and that's fan engagement. And like you mentioned, uh, data and machine learning, uh, data analytics and machine learning can also play a part in enhancing the performance of the players, right? So there I want to share a story that I'm uh, extremely proud of uh, that AWS got a chance you know, a huge privilege to collaborate with the fantastic swim team of Australia, uh, who won a total of nine gold medals at the Tokyo Olympics last year. And it was their best of ever performance at the Olympics. Um, And I I want to also say that uh, the athletes are and will always be central to the sport. But if we can gain a deeper knowledge and understanding of the player's performance by leveraging data analytics, and machine learning, uh, I, I really believe that yes, it can help uh, teams uncover even more potential. So two years before landing in Tokyo, the Swimming Australia team had entered into a partnership with AWS to try and gain a competitive advantage, you know, uh, by harnessing the power of data more effectively. So at that time, they had a lot of systems that were collecting different types of data uh, in different type of systems, working mostly in silos. So by bringing all this data together into a central data lake on AWS and by applying uh, machine learning, uh, they were able to uh, work together with our machine learning labs team to develop a solution that pulled all the performance data you know, uh, together and apply machine learning models to predict the pro- uh, the probable Uh, combinations for Team Australia and not just for their own team but they also try to predict the squads that are likely to be deployed by their rival teams you know and all this data uh, gave the coaches some direction and allowed them to make more evidence-based decisions, uh, data-driven decisions right and the outcome of all that effort was everyone to see how the team uh, won so many golds at the uh, Olympics, and we are so proud to have played a very small part, uh, you know, as partners with them on this journey.
0: When I think of AIML and I think of swimming, until you mentioned it, I didn't understand how it would come together. I mean, here I have a person, right, and their swimming ability for me is fluctuating, right, so that you never know how well they're going to swim, but. What other data would be collected? I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that this person performs at you know the X level and they're gonna finish in this amount of speed. I should be really across the line or by the halfway point by this time if I'm not, or does it like the number of strokes come into play? I really would love to understand what data is captured and how they kind of use that to their advantage. I mean, the data's there, it's not like They did anything extra. They just analyzed it. They had AWS come in and say, listen, we just want to gain a little bit of a competitive advantage analyzing what's already available to us.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I would love uh, to, you know, showcase that video that we made together with them that talks more about, um, you know, how really they leveraged the data and uh, what were some of the key, Uh, uh, I would say, uh, performance-related points that they were looking for, you know, as they developed these custom models to analyze all that data. So, yeah, I would love you to uh, play that clip, uh, if possible, for our customers, uh, sorry, for our (laughs) viewers, uh, or just drop a link in the chat, it'll be great. Thank you.
2: Swimming in Australia is is the most successful Olympic sport. Australia, in an Olympic term, is the second best nation that's ever been behind the USA. We're really lucky in Australia that the Australian sporting system, right back from 1982, the government funded the Australian Institute of Sport. That was where sports science in Australia was really born. And so Australia, in sport in general, has always been at the forefront of science. I guess the ultimate piece of analysis that we look at is always the race. That's the basis of where the evidence starts is what's actually done in the competition pool and using that race analysis to analyze the performance. Physiological testing will give you evidence, whether it be blood lactates or gas analysis or sleep monitoring, evidence on how the athlete is responding to training programs that the coaches are using. So it's about pulling that training evidence and combining it with the race analysis and looking for opportunities to improve certain parts of the race and then how you might do that in training.
0: I'm captivated by the data on how this is being analyzed and I could pr- probably go off on a tangent just a little bit, but I'm going to bring us everybody back. So listeners, I want to jump right back into a little bit more specifically uh the media entertainment and broadcasting. Sweet has shared some, uh, you know, F1. We talked about swimming in Australia, but now, let's talk about, you know, cloud is the default platform for most, if not all OTT players. What about traditional broadcasters? Are they starting to look at public cloud to run their core workloads? Uh, and then we, we can talk more about COVID and the pandemic and how they accelerated to transition. But let's jump into it.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, if you asked me this question two years ago, my answer would have been quite different uh, to your point, you know the impact of the pandemic. Um, so today, we have over 2,900 channels uh, originating on AWS. And this number was roughly half in 2019. But thanks to our highly enterprising partners such as Amagi, EWords, Grass Valley, Imagine, and uh, so many others, uh, so the broadcast playout and distribution on AWS today is a very mature offering. And we have customers like Discovery, who have hundreds of channels, including their APAC channel feeds that are originating on AWS. Uh, we recently worked with another customer ABS CBN in philippines to move uh, channel playout and distribution for their 20 channels to aws so many such customers you know who were uh, perhaps still on the fence uh, on the idea of running their mission critical broadcasting workloads on a public cloud infrastructure uh, they decided to move forward with their plans and uh, the the agility that i you know, alluded to before, uh, the agility, the flexibility that the cloud brings to broadcast. It is so significant for the business. For example, it's become so easy and inexpensive for sports rights holders to quickly set up new channels, uh, seasonal channels, what we also refer to as pop-up channels, You know, for a short period of time. As an example, I can uh, share with you the seven best media in Australia. They used uh, what we call the channel assembly feature of one of our services, Elemental Media Tailor to launch new pop-up channels, seasonal channels only during the Tokyo Olympics games last year. And these kind of experiments, you know, they, they can help broadcasters to deri- derive more value from the existing content libraries in ways that perhaps they could not do uh, any, you know, um, originally with their uh, on-prem setups. And, and also, like I said earlier, at a fraction of the price, because these are pay-as-you-go models, right? So it opens up newer monetization opportunities for them and helps them to expand their footprint, you know, to test new markets, new kind of niche customer segments. So. So, yeah, I mean, to your point, uh, broadcasting, yes, two years ago, perhaps it was still um, and uh, uh, you know, uh, an area where we were seeing some interest, uh, but not a lot of decision making. But things have changed drastically in the last two years, and we are so excited to see that change happening.
0: You're talking about change happening. And I thought of another question here for AIML. What about content localization? Specifically around the use of AIML for multilingual subtitles, transcriptions, translation. I mean, really, there's so much there. Has this really been expedited with the use of AWS AIML with media and entertainment?
1: Yeah, absolutely. and. Uh content localization is super critical you know not not just for apac but the, um, all the content platforms across the globe but it's almost like a necessity here in apac because as per some industry reports 90% of all video consumption that happens across television and digital platforms here in apac is local language content Right. And therefore, the content platforms, like you mentioned, multilingual subtitles, you know, that's one way of reaching out to more audiences for their content. Right. And uh, one customer story uh, that is very close to my heart, uh, uh, because also because I have a K pop fan, fan at home as well, is our Korea based customer, Beavers. So they run this K pop fan engagement platform. And they use Amazon Translate uh, to translate the messages on the go uh, between millions of fans uh, spread across the globe who are wanting to interact with banks like BTS and other K-pop artists in their preferred language. It's such a beautiful story of AI enabling that human connection connection. Um, and I, I really think that uh, this is just the start. And of course, I mean, the AI services are still maturing and especially, you know, as we add new languages, it takes time for them to become really production ready. Uh, so we are working very closely with our customers in the region to improve the, all that.
0: Content localization, something I saw and I, it was probably a tweet or something and by the CTO, Warner Vogels, and how uh, for football, the stadium or the, the the advertisement that's behind or with the players, right, that's on the screen is actually localized to wherever you're viewing it. So mm. if you're, you know, in this region and it's a local like uh, beverage company, that might be there, or you're in another one, that may like another sports thing or something. And I, I find that... Uh, really cool how they do it, and sometimes they insert that during the game. It's like the players run through it, and they don't realize that it's not even real. Like this is the localized like advertisement for media entertainment. And I, th- I thought it was cool how we've come a long way from doing that, from just having slides behind it or something that's static that you have to change. It's actually a waste to constantly change those things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you talked about advertising right so targeted advertising is is super critical in this part of the world uh, specifically because the propensity to pay for content in many asian markets it's pretty low as compared to the us or uh, europe right so here the content platforms depend a lot on advertising for their revenues and therefore if they can leverage ai machine learning to increase their ad monetization and to drive better return on investment for their advertisers, and therefore you know, command better CPM rates for their ad inventory. Uh, so a, a great example I can share with you there is how the OTT platform of Z Entertainment in India, Z5, they use our server-side ad insertion service called Elemental Media Tailor to stitch the ads within the content right so it becomes uh, more targeted it becomes personalized there are a, uh, you know a variety of factors that you can use to personalize or uh, be, you know make it more targeted based on um, either the user profile or even the content that you're watching you know like if i'm watching a football match um, i may uh, like to see uh, you know a nike shoe ad right that's more targeted uh, at me as a as a sports viewer. But if I'm on my food channel, a new pasta sauce that just became available in the supermarket in the neighborhood, it makes more sense to watch that ad, right? I'm less likely to skip that advertisement. So, so this way the OTT platforms are able to augment their ad monetization, which can really command better CPM rates, like I said earlier. So Z5, uh, I mentioned, they, they are today delivering over 100 million targeted advertisements on their 18 plus live channels on their digital platforms.
0: Targeted ads, content related ads. What about interactive ads? Because I've got my fire stick. I watch a couple of shows and then all of a sudden it says, you can watch the regular ad, or you can interact with this content and minimize your ad time. What about interactive ads? I know they're becoming really big and popular. How well are they being used? And what are you seeing on your end that people are actually interacting with them to go f- through it? Because you, you, it feels like we have to keep those watching engaged. The moment it hits ads, everybody gets their phone and they're like this, and then they're missing the content that's on the screen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you talked about keeping the viewers engaged and interactivity is definitely one of the big um, areas of focus for us at AWS because the customers are seeing the value in doing that. In fact, uh, many of our customers uh, came to us and asked us, you know, can we create a Twitch-like experience, you know, which is interactive, low-latency live streaming? So we have this service called Amazon IVS, that can help the customers create that, what we call the lean forward experience, you know? So like in a lean back experience, you are just consuming the content and there is no interaction. I mean, it is it is great for maybe long form content like movies, but if you are uh, looking at uh, short form content, or if, if, you, if you're looking at something that's more like a community experience, like I see my daughter, my 14 year old daughter, when she's playing, uh, a games she's also watching online streams of other gamers you know how they are playing uh, learning from them and even you know popping a question or two and how to get that uh, or how to you know achieve and uh, achieve the next milestone so it's it's so interesting the young generation especially you know they really want to interact and advertisements is part of it Right, so, uh, so like I, going back to the Twitch uh, experience, what we did is we launched this service called Amazon Interactive Video Service, which is a fully managed service a live streaming solution, a low latency live streaming solution from AWS uh, that uses exactly the same technology that powers Twitch. So the service does everything that you need to make low latency live video available to any viewer around the globe. And Amazon IBS will handle the content ingestion, transcoding, packaging, and final delivery of your live content. So our customers can just focus on the content and monetization aspects of it. Um, so to talk about interactive advertising, uh, if you are having advertisements as stitched as part of your content, you can actually have links to buy that product you know uh, on a, on your retail website so amazon.com/live is in fact a great example uh, they are leveraging IBS to stream um, uh, to let people stream themselves and like if i'm reviewing a makeup product for example you know i'm putting on eyeshadow uh, the viewers can actually click on the link uh, there to buy that particular brand you know, that I'm using. So that's just one of the many, many use cases that we're seeing in the interactive live video streaming space.
0: When Amazon uh, IVS came out, I was huge. I was like, oh my God, I'm a Twitch streamer. I was doing it for AWS DeepRacer. I love the low latency aspect. I was thinking, okay, how can we take this, integrate it and stream out all the knockout rounds and then the live streaming race? You mentioned uh, Amazon Live. Are you hmm. telling me that I could go on there myself and start talking about the various products for it? Uh, th- oh my God, I like being on, like doing this and talk. I want to talk to the audience, and be like, listen, you got to check out this cool pen and take it. Amazon has built some awesome technology on top of AWS. Everything that you're talking about, media, entertainment, the F1, the swimming, how it has helped expedite everything through this last two years, the case studies, it's really inspiring. And you know, media and entertainment is really close to my heart being what I do and the energy that I try to bring. I hope you enjoyed my energy for this show. I did. Awesome. I
1: did. And you. and you know what, John? I mean, if I may add what you just mentioned you know how Amazon has been innovating on behalf of the customers and our customers customers you know and and one aspect of it is the whole democratization of technology you know the ease of access to cutting edge solutions that has made been you know that has been made possible by the use of cloud to build all those really engaging content experiences even doing live production I mean that's another topic uh that we can have another one-hour conversation wait on wait wait, wait. are you saying
0: <laughs> are you saying we're going to sign up for another recording and talk about live production all right would sold i'll sign you up
1: <laughs> would love to would love to definitely like sports of course is a, you know close to everyone's heart and uh we are doing some really interesting work there in the areas of remote live production and just enhancing the fan engagement. I mean, we did touch upon it today, but there's a lot more to it. Would love to get, uh, you know, uh, dive deep, deep into it at some point with you.
0: Dive deep, Amazon's leadership principles coming out. Don't worry, I'm an ex Amazonian. It's the principles lied uh, really close to me and I still use them today. I would love to dive deep in another future one, folks head of business development for media and entertainment, APAC region, Swita Jane Swija. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me, still day one. Very excited to think about all the innovation that's yet to come. So thanks so much, John, for the opportunity.
0: I'm glad you could join me. Okay, folks, thanks for joining the John Meyer podcast. Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe and notify because guess what, we're out of here.